Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Move, a podcast devoted to helping you lose weight, get healthy, and have an amazing life. Here's your host, Wendy Wallace. Hello once again. It has been ages since the last episode of the Eat, Sleep, Move podcast. My only excuse is that it's been a really busy summer. However, I'm back and I have several new interviews coming up, including the one you're about to hear. So let's get started. On her blog, Lisa Irene says reaching her highest weight of 255 pounds was because of, quote, unhealthy food choices, sugar addiction, medications, laziness, and depression. In 2006, after her doctor warned her she was pre-diabetic, Lisa focused on not just losing weight, but also easing herself off of the several medications she was taking. It took her two years to lose 110 pounds. In the midst of her weight loss, she became passionate about eating healthy and becoming more active and much more athletic than she had ever been before. Enjoy the interview. When you were in your early 20s, you weighed around 250 pounds. And at that time, on your blog, you wrote about how you went to visit your doctor And she told you that you were pre-diabetic and that your blood pressure was dangerously high. And you wrote about how that was, you know, one of those like wake up calls that that you got that really made you start to think about losing weight in a serious way. So my question to you is that oftentimes people come to that point where they're told that their health is in danger because of their excess weight and they vow to make a change, but and, and they really and they really do make an attempt, but then as time goes on, they go back to eating badly and not exercising as much. So I'm wondering for you, what was it that happened at that time that uh, caused you to make that vow and then stick with it? Well, it didn't. It didn't start right away. I went home from that doctor's appointment really angry, and I blamed the doctor. I thought she was a jerk, you know, typical shifting blame. And I kind of lived in denial for a couple days and just stewed in my anger. And then I started to think about it, and I realized that I didn't want to become diabetic. And that was one of the big things for me because when I was younger, I used to watch a family friend give herself injections because she was diabetic. And as a child, that just scared me so much Mm -hmm. that the idea of doing that and having to give myself insulin every day and test my blood sugar, like all of that just scared me enough that I wanted to make the change. And um, after a couple days of just living in anger and and frustration, I realized that I had to do something and, and do it for real. Okay. So one of the other really interesting things that you write about on your blog is that you had an experience in a sweat lodge and that led you to commit even more so to getting healthy. What was that experience like and why was it so life altering? And can you explain what it was about that experience that still influences the health choices that you make today? Well, I had always been um, spiritual. I'm not religious, but I do follow a path. And I had 
wanted to do a sweat lodge for a while, and that was actually the first thing that kind of got me wanting to lose weight and, and get healthy way before the doctor. So it was probably like nine months before, eight months before the doctor appointment that made me really get into get into gear. But I, it was a very intense experience. Um, I don't know if you've ever done one before. Um, have you ever done one before? I have not done one before, no. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, they say that it's um, a, a spirit or a guide or whatever higher power you believe in or relatives that have passed on that come and visit you while you're you're in there. And you're in the sweat lodge for a couple hours. And I don't know how hot it was, but it was over 100 degrees and... You haven't eaten or drink drank anything all day, and there's probably a little bit of delirium involved there. But you just um, you just start to meditate and kind of think about about things, whatever whatever comes up in your mind. You start thinking about it, and I kept hearing this voice that that told me that I needed to get healthy and that I needed to stop taking the medications that I was taking, and. I kept hearing this voice, and then the guy that was leading the sweat lodge made a comment that alluded to that as well, and it just stuck with me, and I kind of let it go for, like I said, about eight months, and it wasn't until the doctor appointment that it really kind of was like, you know what, I need to listen to that. There's like all these things in the universe kind of telling me that I'm on the wrong path and that I'm doing things that aren't, aren't good for me. So that's kind of that's kind of how it started. I wanted to ask you about your epiphany when it came to the decision to stop taking your medication. Um, but I, I want to get to that in a second. But first, let's back up and talk about how it is that you eventually got to 250 pounds, because there's like it seems to be like three elements here with you. There was medications that you were taking that contributed to your weight gain. There was, you know, the usual inactivity, eating badly, that kind of thing. But I'm also wondering about the emotional component of it. And the reason why I ask about that is because when when I think of sweat lodges, what comes to my mind or my assumption is that a lot of emotional stuff comes to the surface and it can be yeah. really kind of overwhelming to be kind of hit with it all at once. And so I'm wondering you know, at that time, right around, you know, so you, you go to the sweat lodge, months later, you go to your doctor, you come to this conclusion, but then you're faced with, with dealing with three different things, the, the, the medication stuff, the eating and exercise, and then your emotional um, self. So tell me how, how you got to 250 pounds and, um, and, and how those three elements played a role in you gaining the weight that you did. Well, I I had suffered from depression in my teens, for most of my teens, and back in the day, they just kind of put you on medication and made you go to therapy, um, and I really liked my counselor when I was a kid. He was, he was like a buddy, you know, you'd go, I looked forward to the sessions, but when I was 14, I started taking medication for depression and I took it on and off all, all different kinds until I was about 26. And I didn't know that it caused weight gain. And when you're a teenager, you don't really pay attention to that stuff. Um, 
I didn't really have good habits when I was a teenager. And I, you know, I honestly didn't gain a lot of weight until I was about 17. And my grandfather passed away. And it was very sudden. And I was very close to him. And I chose to eat my feelings for the next year following that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my weight started to go up. And I, I don't remember how much I was exactly, but I'd say I was probably about... Uh, 160, which is pretty high for a 17-year-old who's 5'4". And then various things happened. You know, the introduction of of birth control pills, that also causes weight gain. Some some of them do. And in my early 20s, I was in a long-term relationship that ended. And again, I chose to eat my feelings instead of kind of facing them. So that's pretty much how the weight the weight came on. And once it was on, it just kind of kept coming. (laughs) So. Okay. So then again, I go back to what you said about your epiphany about in the sweat lodge, deciding to, to, to get off the medications. And I'm wondering, like, it sounds like, um, up until that point that you were pretty disconnected from your body, right? Because of the medications and and because you were using food to kind of self-medicate as well. So can you tell me what it was like for you as you were weaning yourself off of your medications, as you were slowly changing the kinds of food that you ate, what it was like to reconnect with your body? Well, the the medications do... Um, cause a disconnect and what I felt most was nothing Um, uh, the antidepressants I was taking they just kind of made me instead of feeling up or down there was it was just level but you didn't experience any of you know the ups in life the the happy stuff but as on the same token you didn't experience the the sad things you didn't get depressed you didn't really feel anything Um, so when I was in the, in the sweat lodge, I, I heard this voice and it was comforting to me to think that it was my grandfather who had passed on and it was telling me to get off the medication and get healthy. And it took about six months for me to kind of both decide that I did want to stop taking them and to start like lowering the dosage and then finally stop taking them completely. And it, I can't say that it was a pleasant experience in any way. Um, Going off of the medications were very uncomfortable, not just emotionally, but physically. I was sick for like three months while I was doing that. Um, And then, of course, you know, for for whatever, 11 or 12 years or so, I'd been on this medication that made me feel nothing, and now all of a sudden I'm feeling everything. So, and I started taking the medication when I was 14. So I was essentially emotionally a 14-year-old, right. if you really think about it. Right. And then on top of that, too, it would have been so easy for anyone in that situation to then use food even more to self-medicate. But yet you were trying to change your food intake. So that must have made it incredibly difficult. Well, I I hadn't started doing the food or, or exercise yet. Um, by the time I stopped taking the medication and I was completely free of the side effects, I or the physical side effects anyways, and I was only feeling the emotional side effects of it, 
Um, I had probably about a month or two in between that moment and when I went to the doctor's office and she told me that I was developing diabetes. Oh, gotcha. And then after that, it was probably another month or so before I actually started to really change things. Okay. I'm kind of curious. So... So it wasn't an overnight thing, obviously, an overnight change. Um, can you tell me how you first took those baby steps and, and what that was like? Let's say, let's talk about, let's say, the first couple of months you made the choice and then you started making slow changes. What, what did they consist of? Well, the first thing I did was I decided to start swimming at the nearby community center it was something that I did as a kid, and I was I was on a swim team as a kid. I did synchronized swimming. It was something I always liked to do. So I didn't want to do the diet and the, the exercise at the same time because the idea was really overwhelming to me. So it was the idea of losing 100 pounds. So the first step was to just start swimming, and I did that a couple times a week for like a month, and then I decided to introduce the food part of it. And for the food part, I counted my calories for one day without changing any of my habits just to see where I was starting from. And that day I ate probably over 5,000 calories. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I needed to eat less than 2,000 a day and seeing it written all down was a pretty good indication of where I was starting. Um, And so I just started doing that. I did both. I swam a couple times a week, and I counted my calories every day. And the first month that I was doing that, I lost about 10 pounds. And seeing that happen made me keep going. Like, I saw progress. I was inspired. I thought, this could really work. I'll keep doing it. You know, what I find interesting about your answer to that question was that you chose to do things gradually. And I'm wondering why it, why it is that you didn't get caught up in mindset that often people do in that they have these moments where they're just like so tired of being overweight and mm-hmm. they want to go like full out right now. And so they do want to tackle both food and exercise at the same time. And they want to go from, say, eating three to 5,000 calories a day to 1,200 calories a day. Yeah. How, how come you didn't uh, fall into that trap? I don't know. I, I honestly didn't have any books. I didn't read any diet books. I didn't join Weight Watchers. I didn't, I didn't do anything. Um, that people normally normally do. For some reason, counting calories just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. It was something fairly simple. I wasn't tracking fat or carbs or fiber or anything like that. I was just doing the calories. That's all I could handle. Mm-hmm. So I counted my calories and uh, doing it in, kind of in stages where I did the swimming first and then I gradually added the food part. It was smaller in my mind. It wasn't as big because the idea of trying to lose 100 pounds is pretty scary and you kind of feel defeated just looking at that number. So I told myself that I would lose 50. And so 50 was my goal. And that's pretty much where where my mindset was Mm -hmm. for that first um, 10 months or so. Okay. 
So speaking of feeling trapped, on your blog, you, you wrote, and I quote, I used to be depressed and unhappy with my weight. I felt trapped and like I would never be healthy or fit. I'm living proof that this is not true, that something can always be done to improve things. So um, oftentimes when we feel trapped, um, it, it becomes our reality. And like you said, you know, the, the idea of losing 100 or even more pounds is so overwhelming that it almost it almost seems like your mind kind of retreats and gets used to feeling trapped. Um, so I'm kind of curious then, how is it that you were able to make the decision to make changes? And then what, what was it that helped you to stick to those changes long enough to get you to a point where you stopped feeling trapped? I guess I didn't feel trapped for very long after I started uh, trying to lose the weight because I was seeing progress. Um, but that first month I lost 10 pounds and each month, you know, each week after is a couple pounds a week, like five pounds here, four pounds here. And seeing the number was very inspiring and encouraging. And I also had a lot of people around me supporting me and telling me that I was doing a great job. They pointed out when they could tell when I lost weight, even if I couldn't see it in the mirror yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having just having the positive reinforcement really helped me stay on track. And honestly, I was so determined to reach that goal. Maybe it became a little obsessive, mm-hmm. but... I just wanted, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to reach that goal. And that was pretty much like all I thought about for 10 months. I wanted to lose 50 pounds. And a a little part of that reason was my brother was getting married and I was going to be a bridesmaid. And I did not want to walk down the aisle at 250 pounds. And I, and the dress that the bridesmaids were all going to be wearing were not, was not flattering me so it was even more motivation to just keep going and I think I think having a specific date in mind that I wanted to lose the 50 pounds by really helped me stay on track it got me through you know the holidays and Thanksgiving and the the, the weeks that spanned where I didn't lose any weight and it was very frustrating right. I just kept going it was just like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this no matter what okay So speaking of support, uh, something else that you wrote was, I didn't blog my weight loss progress. I did it all on my own, and I know how hard it is. So judging from what you just said, that meant that you just weren't documenting your weight loss progress online, but you had people around you that were supportive. I'm I'm wondering if you can talk about about that, about the the support that you chose or, um, you know, the support that, that... you know, did you feel as though it were enough? But also, too, it sounds like you didn't go for, like you'd mentioned, like you didn't join Weight Watchers, that kind of thing. You didn't um, ascribe to any particular diet plan, um, which in a sense, like it, it's almost like if you chose like the South Beach or Adkins or low carbing or, or you know, what Weight Watchers, you could go online and you could find a tribe or a community of people yeah. that were supportive and understood what you, where you were coming from. Um, but you didn't go down that path. So tell me about how support played a role in your life and how kind of doing it independently, you know, the pros and cons of doing it independently? Well, when I started losing weight, I, 
I was involved in several like online communities, but this was before I even knew the existence of blogs or healthy living websites or forums or anything like that. Like I didn't know that there was this world out there and I didn't really have the support of other people who were trying to lose a big amount of weight like I, I was trying. So I relied on my close friends who several of them have struggled with their weight and have gained and lost significant amounts and they were always encouraging and my family was very encouraging and I had a lot of support from friends and coworkers and even just casual people that, that I didn't know very well, but they were noticing the weight loss. They would make comments. And when you spend most of your life kind of as a wallflower where you don't really talk to a whole lot of people because you're, you're kind of a fat girl and there's like that stigma attached, it was, it was nice to get support from people and, and hear something positive. And I think that was really helpful. And I'm sure that that's what is what that's probably what makes Weight Watchers successful is that support system. And I think having a support system is is really important. Even if you're you're not sharing it with a lot of people, having just one or two people that can cheer you on makes a huge difference, especially in those weeks when you've plateaued and you're not losing anything. Right. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so let's talk about food, because there was a few things that you, you've written on your blog that I found really interesting. Um, with me, in, in particular, um, and I wrote about this when, when I emailed you, that um, over the years, you know, a few years ago, I got this idea in my head that I wanted to be 100% raw. And I had read about people who had, you know, just made that choice and did it overnight. And I wanted to be one of those people. And I, every time I tried, I just, I just couldn't stick with it. And then finally, um, I was watching a YouTube video of this guy who actually talks about raw food. And he, his philosophy, or he, he would always tell people in the comments, you know, think of good, better, best when it comes to eating. And that's really helped, you know, kind of save my sanity. Because even when I feel as though that I'm eating something um, that isn't great, I know that it's better than what I maybe normally would have chosen. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I, I thought about that philosophy, the good, better, best philosophy when I was reading your blog, because I, I read about how, for example, that you describe your as at one point being a sugar addict. And and I remember reading or coming across some one of your blog posts, or it was one of the pages on your website, about how then you would move from like, you know, the typical kind of snacks and desserts and things you used to eat to maybe smaller portions, still sugar, you know, related, but smaller portions, that kind of thing. And then I kind of get the sense that these days that you're not doing that so much at all. So can you tell me whether or not the good, better, best philosophy has played a role in your life and how it is that your food habits have evolved over the years? Yeah, definitely. And they're, they're way different now than they were when I was obese and they're different now than they were when I was losing weight. And the key Part of this is that when I was losing the weight, it took me about, I think, like a year and maybe seven months or something like that. Um, I stopped eating certain things. I didn't eat pizza and I didn't eat ice cream. I also didn't drink any alcohol or anything that had calories in it. So I I stuck to diet sodas and sparkling waters and stuff like that. 
Um, but the pizza and the ice cream were my trigger foods, and those are the things that I would just eat massive quantities of. And so I knew that I just couldn't eat that. And at the same time, I also didn't cook anything, really. Um, I was a baker. I would make these fantastic cakes and cookies and brownies, and <laughs> so that obviously stopped as well. But um, I, didn't, I didn't really cook very much. I ate a lot of salads. And so while I was trying to lose the weight, I stuck to mostly processed foods, which isn't really healthy, but it served its purpose for me. I ate um, like a typical breakfast in the morning. I would have like oatmeal and then I would have fruit as a snack and I would take a sandwich and some a serving of wheat thins. I would measure out a serving for lunch, I would have some veggies or more fruit or something as a snack. And then I, for dinner, I would have a salad and a lean cuisine. And the dessert part was um, low-calorie things like the Smart Ones frozen desserts and um, snack wells, those cookies that are around 50 calories each. Mm-hmm. Basically, anything that I was that I was eating, it was from a package because I could count the calories. I knew exactly what I was eating, and it was portion-controlled. And that worked for me for two years. But after that, I kind of started getting more into fitness and doing um, more like endurance type events. And I realized that the food I was eating wasn't really food. And my attitude now is that I try and look at food as fuel and I want to eat things that are more natural so, for example, I'll, I'll have um, scrambled eggs for breakfast, um, salads. I eat a lot of salads. I have a veggie garden, so I've been eating. I've been making kale chips obsessively for, like, three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have tomatoes and lettuce. I mean, we've got tons of stuff in our garden. And I just try and eat things that don't come out of a box anymore. Granted, I still do sometimes, but um, my focus is more on things that are more natural. Like, for example, um, my dinner is usually a protein, a vegetable, and a salad. So, for example, um, tonight I'm going to have um, a boneless pork chop and steamed broccoli and a salad. So, that's pretty much what I do now. You know, I'm kind of curious because if you were to look back in retrospect at the food choices that you made back then, um, you know, again, like speaking personally, I think that sometimes for me where I get tripped up is that it's like I know too much and I analyze everything. So um, it's almost like for those those first two years when you were eating um, the processed stuff that even though it wasn't the best for you, I mean, at least you were keeping yourself in, in check calorie wise, but you also weren't being... Um, obsessed with or constantly being critical of your food choices um, when it came to things like sodium content, you know, carbs amount and and all of that stuff. Do do you think that looking back in retrospect, do you wish that you had eaten um, more fruits and vegetables and a more healthy diet back then? Or are you kind of thankful that you were kind of in this kind of state of, I don't know, I don't want to call it ignorance is bliss, but, you know, that that you, you weren't kind of laden down with all of this information. And yeah. um, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, you, like it, sometimes I make the joke that it's it's really hard to eat sometimes now because I know how many calories are in everything. Right. <laughs> and it kind of takes right. the fun out of it, out of some of those things. Like if you go to the movies, you know that popcorn is fourteen hundred calories. Right. It doesn't really right. taste that good. Right. Um, but no, I I don't regret how I lost the weight. I think I did it right for me. Um, I the food obviously was processed and it was chemicals and it was gross, you know, for my body, but it was portion controlled and low in calories. And I had to learn what portion control was because I had no idea. I had never been taught what portion control was. I didn't learn it on my own. I, my idea of a portion was an entire pizza. So clearly I needed to have some sort of, um, time out where I just did what worked and, even though, I mean, like I said, the, I had a Lean Cuisine for dinner and a salad. And I added the salad because the Lean Cuisine really wasn't that much food. Mm-hmm. And and to answer your, your fruit and veggies question, even when I was obese, I still ate a lot of fruit and veggies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just ate a lot of pizza and ice cream, too. <laughs> right, right. So I, adding I, I talk to um, a lot of my friends, and they complain about how like one of my friends, she's starting a, a diet last week, and she's like, I'm so sick of eating vegetables. And I'm thinking, really? Because I love eating vegetables, and I always loved it. Like, there were some times, because like I said, I didn't cook. And so sometimes my dinners would be a salad and just a bunch of, like, raw vegetables with ranch dressing. I mean, mm. not not fantastic, but not horrible either. Right. Um, so I always mm. liked fruit and vegetables. That wasn't an issue for me. Mm. It was the portions I had to learn. You know, the other thing, a question that comes up is, um, what's the difference for you? I mean, not just in terms of um, what it is that you eat, but just in terms of the way that you approach food from the time that you were losing weight to now. Because how how many years has it been since you lost weight? How many years have you been in maintenance mode? Four years. Okay. So what's what's the difference now uh, with your relationship with food versus then versus now? Well, then it was a math equation. It was if I eat A for dinner or for breakfast and I eat B for lunch, how many calories does that leave for dinner? And is there any calories left over for dessert? You know, so it was it was all about making making this puzzle work and fit into 2,000 calories or less every day. And now I don't. I don't really do that. I still count my calories every day. Um, I eat the calories that I burn when I exercise. Not all of them, but most of them. So I'm usually eating around 2,200 calories a day, which is more than I ate when I was trying to lose weight. My goal then was between 1,600 and 1,800 a day. Okay. So the other thing, too, I'm curious about is when you were losing weight – what did you do when you had a bad day and you knew that you couldn't eat ice cream or cake or whatever? And how did you deal with that? And then also, too, same question for today. When you have a bad day, um, how come you don't go to food these days? Do you mean like a bad day emotionally or a bad yeah. food day? Yeah, bad day emotionally. Okay. Yeah. Um. I guess back then, I well, before I started losing weight, I definitely turned to food when I was upset. And when I was trying to lose the weight, there were times when I did do that, but 
the deeper that I got into the process of losing weight and learning portions and calories and moderation, that didn't appeal to me as much anymore. I, I chose to do things that were more active. So if I, like I broke up with a boyfriend and was upset, I went for um, a really long swim or I went for a hike with a friend and I just chose other, other activities that tried not to involve food. And I try and do that now, now that I'm maintaining it. I definitely have my days where I would much rather just sit down and like, drink a bunch of beer and eat a bunch of pizza and ice cream and candy bars and just not even care. But I've just come so far that I don't want to go backwards. So I guess I just have that, that strength in me that says don't do it. That's not to say I don't have my days where I do go over my calories, and it's usually sugar that does me in, but it's, it's few and far between now. The other question, too, that comes to mind is over the years, have you noticed that the more fruits and vegetables that you've brought into your diet has, has really greatly healed your body and that your body, like, cause obviously you're still off of the medications and both on a physical level, um, when you were dealing with various physical ailments that you had, and also on an emotional level dealing with, with the depression, mm-hmm. can you see that there's a, like a direct tie in with keeping those in check and your body feeling really good because of the food intake? I mean, have you, did you notice that? Because Again, you didn't do this overnight, so you must have seen a gradual change as you incorporated more and more healthy food into your life, right? And can, and if that's the case, can you tell me what that was like? Yeah, it was more of um, like a, a switch because sugar was the hard part for me. And I started to choose fruits that were really sweet to kind of curb that sugar craving. Mm-hmm. And it really helps. And I always feel better after I eat fruit than after I eat sugar. And not not just emotionally, but physically. Like, emotionally, you're like, oh, damn it, why did I eat that? And you're beating yourself up, and you're like, oh, my God, that was like 200 calories. And, mm-hmm. you know, but physically, I'd also feel differently. And, for example, today, I wanted to eat some, some candy at work, and instead I had some fresh raspberries and blackberries that a coworker bought at the farmer's market. And that curbed my craving for sugar completely. Mm -hmm. And it's just about making better choices and knowing that my body's going to be happier if I do that. Okay. So there was some really cool advice that I found on your blog that I wanted to read to you. You wrote, um, my diet was pretty boring for about one year. In order to stay on track and lose 50 pounds, I stuck to the same foods because it was simple. I didn't cook and I knew how many calories were in what I was eating. Can you explain how it is that you chose that practice and then elaborate on why it is that it worked for you? Because I, I, that, that bit of advice, um, really, uh, resonated with me because sometimes I get so confused and, and so analytical about what it is that I eat, that I get so sick of thinking about it that I would like to just be able to eat the same thing every day. But I also know too, that there are people who would be like, I, I couldn't eat the same thing every day. I would get bored and I need variety. Um, so it's almost like a matter of, I guess, knowing your personal preference, but also maybe choosing a way of eating that just um, can fit into your life without you having to think about it so much. 
So tell me how it is that, was that just kind of a gradual thing that you just found yourself doing, eating the same thing every day? And do you think that it was like one of the most important choices that you made to get you through the, the, um, the loss of the, those 50 pounds? I think it was important for the beginning, maybe the first couple months, simply because having a routine and making a new habit takes time. And if you do that new habit for a couple months or even a month, I think it's, I think they say 28 days is how, is how long it takes to change a habit. And doing the same thing every day for a couple months just is something to click in my head and be like, oh yeah, this is easy. This won't be that hard. And it was swimming. It was walking. It was counting my calories and eating the same thing every day, it, it was kind of a rotation, and I still have kind of a rotation. Like some days I have scrambled eggs for breakfast. Today I had oatmeal for breakfast. Um, sometimes I have Greek yogurt with fruit in it, and sometimes I make myself a little um, egg and bagel sandwich. It just depends. And I think when people are first starting to introduce like these good habits and food things into their life, if they don't have quick and easy options that are healthy and low in calories available, then it's going to be easy to be like, oh, I'll just go to Taco Bell or well, let's just order a pizza because you just got home from work, you're tired, you don't really feel like cooking something. But if you have easy options on hand at all times, it's easier to stay on the plan. And that's how it was for me. Okay. So I want to talk to you about fitness. When I visit your blog, I see all of these really cool blog posts about the things that you're doing, your hiking, your biking, and your strength training. And it just seems like um, being active, it's not just about working out, but being active seems to play a huge role in your life. You had mentioned earlier that when you started to lose weight, you began swimming. And I find that interesting because... Um, you had mentioned that you had done it as a teenager. So obviously at some point in your life, you associated yourself with being athletic and then to get back into, um, or, or to start losing weight, you tapped back into that knowledge that you had, or that sense that you had of what it was like to be an athlete. So can you tell me about how it is that, that you did that and what that was like for you? Like, did you, uh, was, was that, that kind of, athleticness, for lack of better words, was that always within you and you just needed to tap into it? And was it an easy thing to tap into? And I guess then, you know, the second part of that question was, tell me how you went from being inactive to start moving and to make that a part of your life. No, I was never athletic as a kid. I hated sports. I was shy and I hated the dynamic of organized team sports, gym class, all of it, you know, being picked last and being the slow person on the team that the, the other kids didn't like because they weren't as athletic, like all of that. I hated competition. Um, my parents made me do gymnastics when I was a kid. I hated it. Um, I was afraid of heights. They made me do soccer and I hated that because I hated running and being the center of attention. And swimming was really the only thing that I really loved as a kid. And so that worked for me. And when I, when I started losing weight, I chose swimming because it was something that I liked. And it was also a good, good activity for someone who was 100 pounds overweight. It's not like I could go out and start running a 5K at 250 
Um, so I didn't really become athletic, I guess, until I got closer to reaching my goal weight. For that first year, I stuck to swimming and I kind of became a gym rat. And really, my focus was entirely about losing weight. It wasn't really about doing something that was athletic. It was just like, this is how you lose weight. You exercise and you eat right. And so that was kind of my focus. And it wasn't until I lost all the weight that I realized I needed something else to focus on. I needed a goal to work towards. For almost two years, my brain had been focused on losing 100 pounds. And when you go to thinking and eating and dreaming and waking up to this one goal for so long, it's kind of like, okay, I got here. Now what? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I decided to start training for a 5K and I started running and that's when I kind of fell in love with being an athlete as opposed to being a gym rat that was just trying to lose weight and doing those kinds of activities really inspired me and challenged me and that's kind of how I started becoming quote-unquote athletic. So then back in the beginning um even though, like, you you didn't, like, part of your identity wasn't wrapped around the idea of, of you being athletic, did you have any sort of vision or, or deep desire to be able to, back then, did you have that desire to do things that you were doing now? Did you kind of have that, even just a fuzzy vision of what you saw your body looking like and what it was capable of and the things that you wanted to do that you maybe you had never done before? Not really, not not until after I'd lost the weight. It just didn't really occur to me, honestly. Okay, okay. Okay, so, you know, the other thing, too, that I'm wondering, like, when it comes to you and working out, beyond, like, I, I, I'm going to, there's, here, again, a two-part question. When you were losing weight and you were working out, can you tell me about the benefits that you got from working out beyond the physical benefits and beyond it and, and, you know, playing a role in your weight loss? And then also the physical benefits that you're getting now that you're maintaining your weight loss? Um, Before, I guess I would say the biggest benefit was the boost in my self-esteem. I felt so much better about myself and my body, I I'd spent so many years hating my body because it was overweight and I didn't know how to get out of that spot. And losing the weight and doing these things like running and hiking and and swimming, it it made me feel strong and happy and just improved my self esteem tremendously. Like that is the biggest the biggest factor. Not necessarily losing the weight, but more with challenging myself and actually being able to do these things is what, what really changed me. Okay. You know, that actually brings up another question in that, okay, so back when you were 250 pounds, were you, um, like, how active were you? Because I, I'm, I'm wondering, um, like, now that, that working out, not, or not, again, not just working out, moving your body and challenging yourself physically is such a big part of your life. Was mm-hmm. Is that like, you know, a, a, like a 180 de- degree like change from where you were previously? Were you the kind of person who, you know, preferred to say, 
like read, like hang out and read or watch TV or hang out on the web, you know, that kind of thing. And was actually moving and then making physical activity such a big part of your life, uh, you know, a, a huge but gradual change. Yeah, I was, I was pretty much a couch potato. Not that I didn't do activities. I did like walking and I did like hiking nothing too strenuous or long because I just didn't have the stamina. But for the most part, the, the activities I liked to do was reading, reading books, writing. I was writing a lot and I would spend my weekends kind of watching marathons on TV. I think I watched every single law and or order episode on TNT one weekend and, you know, renting movies and, and just kind of spending my downtime on the couch. That's pretty much, pretty much what I did before. I wasn't entirely inactive, but I'd say 90%. <laughs> okay. So, th but then now when you have downtime, do you often choose, like say for a weekend as an example, would you rather choose to go hiking or biking or that kind of thing than have downtime? I guess, I guess, how did you, I guess the question being, how did you find that balance between continuing to, to read and do the stuff that you like doing yet also get in enough exercise to maintain your weight plus also um get out there and challenge yourself physically how did you balance it all or do you balance yeah, it all I, I try to balance it i i read a lot i probably read about three or four books a week depending on the week some are not not quite as as many books mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the, I don't have downtime in the summertime because I'm usually training for something. For example, I'm supposed to do a 100-mile century bike ride in about a month. Mm -hmm. And so every single weekend from now until then is going to be spent on the bike. And I, after work, I, I have my gym schedule, and then I have some downtime. I, have, I take two rest days a week. And on the rest days, I, that's when I try and plan things with friends. Um, I do watch some TV, um, but it's just not as, as big of a priority in my life. And my, my boyfriend watches more TV than I do. So it's sometimes a challenge because I want to do things on the weekend now. Whereas before, I was okay with spending my whole weekend just watching TV and sometimes he does want that on the weekend where he's exhausted and doesn't want to do anything. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like, don't you ever just sit down and rest, <laughs> you right. know? So, right. but you know what? I also live in Oregon and it's rainy and gray for like seven months out of the year. So that's usually when I, I do more stuff indoors, like watching TV and reading. <laughs> I guess, you know, one of the reasons why I ask is because I'm, I'm kind of curious too. like with your job, do you sit a lot during the day as well? Yes. My okay. job is at um, a desk, but I, when the weather is decent, I go for a walk during my lunch break and <clears throat> where I park my car, it's about, um, it's just under two mile walk to my office from where I park. So in the morning, I walk across the, the bridge here in Portland and walk to the office. So I get in a walk in the morning, and I try and get up out of my desk as much as I can. Um, when I was running a lot, I used to run during my lunch break, mm -hmm. which was nice because it also freed up my evenings so that I could spend time with friends and have more downtime 
watching TV or relaxing or whatever. The reason why I ask is because I think oftentimes what overwhelms people when it comes to changing is this notion that we have to like the work out a lot. Like again, like I mentioned before, decrease our calories a lot, work out mm-hmm. a lot. And what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, you were able to lose 110 pounds working out moderately mm-hmm. um, and finding again, that balance between like, I, I'm not hearing you say that you were working out three, three or four hours a day or t- even two oh, no. hours a day or anything. No, no, like no. That. I um, never, yeah, no, I, I have a friend that I love dearly, but she will spend three hours in the gym in one session. Right. And I don't get that. I don't want to spend that much time in the gym. Right. <laughs> you know, I've got, right. I've got other things I want to do. Granted, yesterday my bike ride took three hours. I did 40 miles. But during the week when I go to the gym, I do about an hour or an hour and 20 minutes tops. And when I was um, when I was trying to lose the weight, I swam about three times a week for probably the first six months, and then I started adding a gym day. So I was working out four four days a week, but right now I work out five days a week. But again, it's not three hours every time. I think okay. you need to to balance your healthy being healthy and working out in the gym should not take up your entire life. There should, there should be a balance. And rest okay. days are important. <laughs> but I, I guess the thing, too, is I'm curious then from your experience, because if you were, let's say, um, you'd live the lifestyle that you were, you're watching TV, reading, all that stuff, working at a desk job, and you had stuck with, let's say, your three workouts a week. Um, or And then let's say you bump them up to five or six. And let's say they were like between 30 and three minutes in an hour. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would have been enough? Like, how did you, I guess the question being, how did you discover what was enough um, activity, physical activity for you on a, on a normal day that not only helped you to lose weight, but then also kept you healthy? I just kind of listened to my body and did what, what felt good. When I was when I swim, it it's a whole thing to put on a swimsuit and the cap and the goggles, and then you get in the water, and then you have to take a shower afterwards. So I'm not going to do all that just to do 20 minutes in the pool. So mm-hmm. that's going to take at least an hour, and I'm fine with that. But other workouts, they don't have to take an hour. You know, you can go for a run for 30 minutes and get great benefits from, from that. It doesn't have to be a two-hour run. I think it just depends on the person, their body type, how much weight they need to lose, what activity they're choosing. Because some activities don't take very long. Right. Right. You know, so my before I get to my final question, I'm kind of curious. You, know, you, you started your blog and you've given so much advice. And I'm wondering if there were certain key things um, that you would tell people over and over again, you know, given the opportunity, we talked about food. And mm-hmm. w- the thing that I find fascinating about your story is that you really were able to hone in on your issues and deal with them one by one, and, and let the success of dealing with those issues kind of um, help you help motivate you to, to tackle the next issue, as opposed to, again, allowing yourself to be overwhelmed by dealing with all of it all at once. Mm-hmm. So 
having said that, what advice would you give people with just the key things in terms of, um, cause we talked about like food intake and that kind of thing. We've talked about working out. So let's focus on mindset. What would you tell people, um, to help them lose, you know, a hundred pounds or more? Well, what I tell people is that portion sizes is really, is really where it's at. You can track your calories and you can think you're doing a great job, but if you're really eating two servings of something and you're only tracking for one serving, you're not going to be successful. So paying attention to portion size, knowing what a portion is, measuring your food, getting like a food scale. I got one that was $5 at Bed Bath & Beyond and I used the crap out of that thing. It was so beneficial. And using an app on your phone or a website that tracks your calories and kind of gives you some guidance is really helpful too. And so basically, you don't have to become a gym rat to, to lose weight, but you do need to do some activities. And my, my advice has always been to my readers to choose something that they'll like. If they don't like running, don't do it. You know, if you were, if you liked, um, if you like gymnastics as a kid, try, see if there's something like that for an adult or do yoga or Pilates or ballet or something, you know, they have all those kinds of things for adults and just choosing an activity that you really like to do will make sure, make sure that you keep doing it, especially on the days when you don't really feel like working out and eating healthy. If it's something you look forward to, you'll do it. Okay. So my final question to you is this, I'm kind of curious when you were 250 pounds, you know, a lot of your identity in terms of your self-esteem, the way you saw yourself, a lot of your thoughts were weight centric. Mm-hmm. And then you lost the weight and you started blogging and now you're known, you'd have done photo shoots, you, you've had like, you know, media stuff, um, like articles written about you, that kind of thing. And, or you've done media is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so now you're known as someone who's lost weight. So through all of these years, your identity in one way or another has been wrapped around your weight. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me, um, how it is that you try to find again, that balance between being mindful of your weight being identified as the woman who's lost 110 pounds, but also keeping yourself in, in this place of knowing that you're, you're someone who's not just defined by your way that, that, you know, you have other qualities and other interests as well. Yeah, that's difficult. Uh, like you said, I spent all this time being, you know, the, the fat girl. And then I was the girl who was losing weight. And then I was a girl who lost the weight. And for a long time, that that really was my identity because that is what people kind of saw when they saw me and that's what they wanted to talk about. But once, you know, I've kept the weight off for, for four years now and after the initial first couple of years of keeping it off, I didn't really get comments anymore. So it wasn't necessarily about the weight loss. And I was doing all these events that, that kind of became my identity. Um, there's this guy at work and he works on a different floor, but he used to see me all the time. And when I was going out to run on my lunch break. And so he called me, Hey runner girl. You know, he didn't know my name. Mm -hmm. He would just identify me as the girl that would run at lunch. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I became that person, you know, and my boss, she 
always asks me about whatever cycling event my boyfriend and I are training for. Because to her, I'm the person that rides my bike to work a couple times a week, and I'm, you know, training for all these events that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's kind of that's kind of who I am now. Um, I've done a couple years ago. I biked 55 miles in Reach the Beach, and then I did. I ran in the Hood to Coast Relay Race. I don't know if you've heard of that, but there's a documentary out there if people are interested in watching that. And I'm currently training for that 100-mile thing. So that's kind of what I think about now. I don't necessarily think about my weight. I think about the things I want to do. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. No problem. Thank you so much to Lisa for doing this interview You can find out more about Lisa at her blog, 110pounds.com. That's the number 110 and the word pounds.com, 110pounds.com. Her blog has two years worth of posts in which she shares her wisdom and experience when it comes to dealing with the emotional and mental part of losing weight. She documents her latest athletic adventures and gives advice about healthy eating and exercise. As always, I will have links to Lisa's blog, her Twitter feed, and Facebook page at eatsleepmove.com. The cool thing about Lisa's story is that by trial and error and being patient with herself, she figured out what was best for her body. I hope you too are in the process of doing the same. Until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Eat Sleep Move podcast. Find out more by visiting eatsleepmove.com.